Welcome to another episode of Highway to Hail, a podcast brought to you by the Michigan Daily and the Michigan Daily Sports Section. I'm your host, Jared Greenspan. On this week's episode, the football beat joins me to recap Michigan's 38-17 thrashing in Madison over the weekend and discuss whether the Wolverines are indeed legitimate Big Ten contenders. So for the second consecutive week, we have the football beat. Uh, fresh off a seven-hour drive last night back from Madison to talk about Michigan's 38-17 win over Wisconsin. How are we doing, guys? We're doing well. We are doing tired, but we are ready to attack another week. And attack a podcast. Um, So Michigan goes into Madison, obliterates Wisconsin, Never really felt like the Badgers were in the game besides a one-minute stretch right before halftime. Uh, Everything clicked. We saw a lot of new wrinkles we didn't see before. Uh, Jim Harbaugh finally wins as an underdog on the road in a win that, and you could say Wisconsin's one and three, but in a win that I think is pretty clear is sizable, monumental for this program um a very important win that could have some pretty big implications moving forward yeah absolutely and i I think if you look around the box score a lot of things stand out uh michigan didn't run the ball particularly well in this game i think they did a good job in the second half when they were protecting the lead but the way they really built up that lead was with you know really good suffocating defense uh and a not good downfield passing attack but a serviceable one i think Cade mcnamara took a long time to settle in I don't think he looked particularly comfortable in the first two or three drives, but after that, I thought he played a great game. Yeah, I think Michigan went into this knowing they weren't going to be able to win it the way they've won other games, just through a punishing rushing attack. So they approached it realistically, understood what they would need to do to win the game, and I think that the execution was there. And unlike in the Rutgers game where there was a lot of questionable coaching decisions, I think that mostly the game plan entering this one was almost flawless. Yeah, I want to touch on what you mentioned sort of about Cade and Michigan knowing that Wisconsin had the number two ranked rushing defense, number one ranked rushing defense, um, and they weren't going to be able to beat Wisconsin like they did Washington or those other teams. And they've spent, I, I wrote this basically, this was the gist of my column, but they've spent the last month telling us things like that, like saying Cade going, I can lead this team through the air. I can... From, come from behind and lead them to victory. I can throw the ball downfield. Like we're, our passing game is building, and there is no evidence on the field for that. And it, it, you, it's hard not to like snicker or chuckle when he says that because why would we believe him? We haven't seen anything. And he did look shaky to start. Um, didn't look too great on the run when, when flushed out of the pocket. Had some wobbly throws. Didn't get a ton of help from his receivers in the beginning. A few drops, but there were a few passes that – were a bit behind, could have been thrown better. Um, but he recovered, and he played really well, and he led Michigan. Uh, they didn't get the run game going that game. Haskins and Coram slowed down a bit uh, by the Wisconsin defense, and McNamara was able to take advantage. Uh, a lot of key third, fourth down conversions, um, and I think part of the reason Michigan was able to be so aggressive and on fourth down with the play calling 
was because they trust him. And I think Harbaugh said after the game, like, we trust our quarterbacks, we trust our players, we trust our receivers. And I think that goes a long way for the passing game in particular. Yeah, I think another Harbaugh quote that stood out to me was when he said, this group doesn't flinch. I think someone asked him about the differences between the last two meetings against Wisconsin, which, as has been well documented, Michigan gave up 84 points, they gave up 700 rushing yards, uh, really a lot of pain and suffering defensively, especially in the last two meetings against Wisconsin. And when Harbaugh said that this year's team doesn't flinch, I think that really stood out to me because I think you see the confidence. Harbaugh said when they first got to the the stadium or Camp Randall, there was this sense that they were going to win. They knew they were going to win. They knew they had to win. And I think that they played that way. And I don't think that's been the case the last two times against Wisconsin. And we've been hearing from the players since availability started during fall camp that this team has new energy and they are communicating better and all these other things about culture. And, you know, I think everyone kind of scoffed at that because it just sounded like a whole lot of nothing. But I think that that new energy was really visible against Wisconsin. You know, they they never really took their foot off the gas. And you can see it even during the jump around uh, during the between the third and fourth quarter as well. Wisconsin's bench was quiet and sort of collected. Michigan's bench was getting into it and going along with the stadium, dancing to the song. So it really does look like Michigan's young staff, as much as we laughed almost at the the implication that they were going to be able to turn this program around so quickly, it, it is clear that they have brought something new. And that seems to be a just a newfound emphasis on bringing energy and always keeping your foot on the gas. Yeah, to me, when I look at this, game compared to previous Michigan-Wisconsin matchups, particularly in Wisconsin, um, and then also last year's game at home, the thing that stands out is the pressure that they were able to get. Uh, This isn't a vintage Wisconsin line, but they're still meant to be pretty good, Um, not as good as past years, but this is also a Michigan defensive line that isn't as good as past years. It's Hutchinson and then a bunch of guys who rotate through things, pretty young, unproven, and they haven't gotten a lot of pressure through these first four games. And then in the fifth game in Madison, they were in the backfield every single play. Uh, It wasn't just Hutchinson. I don't even think Hutchinson was credited for a sack. Uh, David Ojabo uh, was in there a lot, flying around the edge. Good blitz packages. Dax Hill was in there. Josh Ross was in there. RJ Moten a lot, too. Yeah. Guys at all positions were creating pressure. And I think that's a credit to Mike McDonald also recognizing that we need to do some different things to, to get pressure. We don't just have Chris Wormley on one side and Taco Charlton at the other. We can design blitz packages, get our corners involved, get our safeties involved, get our linebackers involved. And that was huge for the defense because, I mean, it eventually knocked Graham Mertz out of the game. Also, Graham Mertz was never really able to get comfortable. Yeah, I think that uh, there are two really important things to emphasize with this defense. First is that pressure, like you said. Uh, I think I read on Pro Football Focus, which I have opinions on their grading, but uh, they also keep some pretty decent stats. You don't see other places. Uh, Wisconsin's quarterback dropped back to pass 29 times, and Michigan hurried the quarterback 29 times. That is an almost unheard of amount of pressure that we saw from Michigan's defense. I think the second it seems it can fly under the radar a little bit, but I think that they have really found the correct way to use Josh Ross in this defense because under Don Brown, he was regularly tasked with being put in like pass coverage and he's not built for that. He's built to be an elite run stopper. And 
I think that we saw that today again, or not today, Saturday against Wisconsin. I think we saw the impact of when he's not there against Rutgers, when Rutgers started to completely gash Michigan on the ground. So if Josh Ross stays healthy and if they continue to use him in the run game and they find ways to make sure he's not being used in pass coverage too much, then I think that this defense is going to continue to find success where we didn't expect to see it. Agreed. And I, I think a big part of that is a tribute to Mike McDonald. Um, I think uh, he's a 34-year-old, just married, first-time play caller who spent a couple years on an NFL staff as a, a pretty low-ranking assistant. I, I think that to make the leap from being an NFL positional coach and a, a defensive assistant to a high Division One, Power 5, Big Ten play caller is something that a lot of people haven't appreciated enough. And I, I think that it's a real true reflection of him and how far this defense has come. And I, I wrote this yesterday, but I think he's become pretty synonymous with this defense. I think Don Brown was always seen as, you know, something separate from Michigan's defense and his blitzes and aggression and his coverages and the different schemes that he'd run and the inclusion of a Viper was always a Don Brown thing. And I, I think that Mike McDonald has done a really good job building this Michigan defense to suit a lot of personnel that he didn't personally recruit. Like these are guys that were recruited for Don Brown's scheme. And I, I think the fact that he's making it work in this 3-4 is a, a pretty good reflection of what he's like as a play caller and his ability to adapt and grow. Yeah, I want to talk about one more thing before we move on from this game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan coach. Really? Yes. Seven years? Seven years. Very well, Was a very important year for him. People, a lot of people didn't think he should be back. Got the extension under some hot water. This is probably one of the most important wins in his tenure at Michigan. Yeah. I mean, top three. Yeah, we, we discussed this in the car. We think it's probably the third biggest behind, what was it? Um, well, 2016 I'd, Wisconsin and 2019 Notre Dame. I would, put it, second. I would second? put it second. Second? I think that there's a lot of games you could throw in there, too. There, yeah. There's another win against Wisconsin, and then in 2018, and also that same year that went over Penn State. So there's a lot of other games you can throw in there, but it's hard to overstate just how important this win is for the program and for Jim Harbaugh personally, his ability to turn the ship around. And I think it's become clear that the decision to keep him on, at least for now, was a correct one. Yeah, I think he deserves credit also because the coaching overhaul in the offseason, getting younger that's partially him and changing the culture in year seven, also partially him. Um, I know no one likes giving Jim Harbaugh credit, but I don't know. I think he deserves credit. This isn't his most talented team. I don't think it's very close, um, but they're five and zero, oh and they're destroying teams. Yeah, and you can make a case that, Oh, well, why, why is a win over Wisconsin in year seven such a big deal? And sure, that's a fair argument to make, but the fact of the matter is they were two and four last year. They've won five games this year, and you have to acknowledge that that is a pretty significant turnaround. For sure. Um, let's move on to what we were all waiting for. Lincoln, Nebraska, will be there. We're excited. Not, I mean, yes. Our, our tour we? of uh, the United States Super 8 motels continues. Yes. Uh, Super 8, if you're listening. Uh, Go to hell. Use Fabrice. Fix your faucet. 
Uh, close. But I think I think Nebraska is a trap game. I don't think Nebraska is as bad as it looked like after the first game of the year when they lost to Illinois. Illinois. Uh, Nebraska is not good, but it's prime time. Michigan's coming off a very good win. They don't really have anything to look ahead to because they have a bye week after. Um, and then Northwestern. And then Northwestern. Just got blown out in Lincoln. Right. But I don't know. I think they have to be careful um, in Lincoln more so than another road game. Vegas agrees with you. Michigan opened as just a one-point favorite. Which I, is I think that's that shocking. Nebraska has played well lately. I thought that they played well in East Lansing, even though they had a pretty fatal mistake in overtime. And then obviously they blew out Northwestern last night in Lincoln. I think that there's something to be said about playing under the lights in Lincoln, where as a state of Nebraska without professional sports, uh, a lot of people who are very passionate about Nebraska, a lot of people will come to Lincoln and make that a really difficult place to play for Michigan. And I think that the Scott Frost narrative there is sort of running parallel to the Jim Harbaugh narrative in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I think that he needs a really big win. I think that people tried to equate Jim Harbaugh with Scott Frost after last season when obviously the situations are vastly different between the two programs. But to to Scott Frost's credit, uh, after that Illinois loss, everyone kind of felt that the program would completely fall apart and the wheels would just come off this season. And they've recovered well and beat up on some not necessarily good teams, but they've stayed in games against Oklahoma and Michigan State. So I think that Nebraska very well has a chance to win this game at night at home. At the same time, I think the talent gap is enormous. And I think that I struggle to see a situation where Nebraska scores more than 20 points at the most on Michigan's defense right now. Yeah. And Michigan did a lot well, obviously against Wisconsin. Um, There are still things to sharpen up. The cornerback play was a little suspect at times. Uh, would have they would have liked to get the run game going a little more than they did. Uh, never really found that. Uh, I think against Nebraska, you, they have to get back to that a little bit. I think you know, they talk about the balance, and I hate talking about the balance because it's all they talk about. But I think Harbor said, like, we're striving for the balance or whatever. I don't think they've reached it yet. I think the first four games were too much run. I don't think against Wisconsin they got the – uh, rushing attack up to a level they wanted to, to complement the passing attack. I think against Nebraska, if I'm looking for an area for Michigan to build upon and iron out some more, uh, that would be the area for me. I think that also against Rutgers, we saw that Michigan can struggle to defend the read option. Northwestern yeah. has a very mobile quarterback in Adrian Martinez. Nebraska. Did I say, did I, say so? I meant Nebraska. I'm tired. We drove a lot yesterday, but Nebraska has a very mobile quarterback in Adrian Martinez and Michigan's going to have to be able to contain him and it comes down to as Jim Harbaugh mentioned before eye discipline Uh, they have to look like they've defended the read option before and I assume that they're looking at that in practice working on ironing that out but that could be a situation where they're able to negate some of the impacts of having Josh Ross there as an elite run stopper in the box what does what what has to go wrong for Michigan to lose in Nebraska? What would be the one thing that, that can't happen? Poor secondary play. I think Nebraska's a team that tries to do a lot on offense. I think they're a team that did a lot on offense last night against Northwestern. Um, they're going to take shots. Um, Scott Frost is not afraid to do that. I, I think that 
so much of what makes Nebraska. Oh, the Yankees just walked it off. Um, so much of what makes Nebraska a pretty hit or miss program is the fact that when they take shots and when they go out of their way to do interesting things, it doesn't always work out. I think this is a game that could be really close if Nebraska converts on some of their shots. I think it's a game that could become a blowout if Adrian Martinez throws a, a quick interception or two and Michigan's offensive line and defensive line control the trenches. Yeah, I think that as much as I think that this game will be close, I would guess Michigan wins by 10 or 15 points. I would say that I think by the end of the first quarter, we'll have a pretty good idea of where it's headed because I simply can't envision a scenario where Michigan jumps out to a 14-0 lead and Nebraska is able to pull itself into the game. Nebraska will maybe be successful if they can get out to a hot start and get Adrian Martinez going early. If they're playing from behind, I don't see them putting up enough points against Michigan's defense. Yeah, I think it would definitely behoove Michigan to get out to that early lead, uh, not let the Nebraska fans get into it, sort of kind of like they did at Camp Randall. Uh, That environment was not as difficult for them as it has been in years past, I think because they jumped out to that early lead, never really gave Wisconsin life. There was that last minute of the second quarter with the ill-fated squib kick and two ridiculously thrown balls by Mertz, uh, and they drove right down the field. But then credit the defense again. Wisconsin had the momentum and the ball beginning the second half, and Michigan's defense forced a quick stop. So I think um, slowing down Nebraska early will definitely bode well for Michigan, especially Nebraska, again, not as talented as Michigan. That talent gap is so wide. If you could stomp on their throats early, that would benefit them. Michigan has not trailed yet this year. If they go down a touchdown or two under the lights in Lincoln, that's cause for concern. I think a, a fast start is pretty important. Also, they've only had one turnover, which occurred late in the Wisconsin game with Bowman. So that's another cause for concern. How do they handle a meaningful turnover when the game is actually relevant when the starters are in? I I would guess Bowman's teammates have not let him forget throwing that interception. I don't think they ever will. Um, I think another, another thing we have to talk about the imagine the completely imagined QB battle between J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara. Yes, some J.J. Uh, play. Michigan did bring in J.J. for significant snaps during the Wisconsin game. Uh, how do they use him going forward? I don't know. I would guess they use him as sort of like a runner, as a counter to McNamara as a more po- pure pocket passer. Well, we've been saying in, in the press box when we're watching these games that Cade, especially against Rutgers and some of these read options, he had room to keep it. Uh, we saw him keep one against uh, Wisconsin, he's slower, I think, than I thought, for lack of a better term. Um, but I think JJ adds another dimension to keep the defense on their toes. Um, I don't think they would have JJ throw in that scenario. So you could say, oh, like once this gets on film at X number of times, the defense is going to stack the box. Um, but JJ can keep it. He's not just going to hand it off to Haskins or Corum, which Cade pretty much does all the time. Um, and I think it worked in, in spurts and in bursts against Wisconsin. Again, I think the purpose is just keeping the defense on its toes and giving them a new look. Um, so I like it. I assume that they're doing it means that Cade doesn't have a problem with it either. I mean, you don't want to hurt his 
ego or confidence or anything like that, but I don't think he would be the guy to be hurt by that. So I would definitely look for them to keep using it four or five times a game moving forward. The one thing I'd watch with that is, I mean, the fact that so much of quarterback play is rooted in rhythm. I I think that it could hurt McNamara in the long term from that sense. I think quarterbacks to play at their best really need to settle into the game. They need to find their rhythm. And I think it's different for every quarterback, but when you're, you know, coming off the field every two or three plays, it's really hard to do. So that's one thing to keep an eye on for that storyline, how McNamara responds. I'm just going to say, J.J. McCarthy averaged 56 yards per attempt (laughs) against Wisconsin. and had a QBR of 99.9, which begs the question, how do you get a QBR of 100 if being one for one for 56 yards and a touchdown is not a 100? (laughs) Is this sounds like another gripe with pro football focus. This isn't pro football focus. It's just those kind of people. There's also there's no <laughs> limit to college football QBR. The NFL no, limit. No passer rating. I, there is QBR. It's up to 100. Oh, the NFL QBR max I believe is 156.3. Right, ESPN on its stats uses QBR for some reason. I believe his passer rating was something like 900. Uh, <laughs> Maybe if he would throw a touchdown to someone other than Dalen Baldwin. Maybe that. Yeah. But so before we go, if you're still with us. And if you would be so inclined to take our advice, we will give our quick predictions for this upcoming weekend. For what it's worth, Daniel is 0-5 picking against the spread in Michigan games. So just bet the opposite of what Daniel says. Yes. Pretty confident I'm going to get my first win this week. Well, which way are you going? I'm going to go with Michigan. I think Michigan wins. It's close to a pick right now. We'll call it Michigan minus one because that's what it is at the time of recording. You can see it closing closer to two and a half or three. I think Michigan goes in and gets the job done. Well, congratulations to Scott Frost for his for a signature win against the top ten Michigan team. Uh, I, I obviously same for me. I have Michigan winning by ten. I have Michigan winning. Also, call us homers. I do think it'll be a close game. Won't be surprised if Michigan has is trailing early and has to really dig their way out and do something that they haven't done this year. Uh, but I think they'll win it by a field goal, or a touchdown, close game, uh, but they escape Lincoln. Yeah, give me 24-17, Michigan. You want scores? Yeah, let's do scores. I'm going to go 21-17. Uh, uh, I will go 30-17. Huh? I said by 10, but, you know, I'll... So we're all taking the under. I believe it's 53 and a half. Under, under. Which seems really high. I think the over might have hit, ended up hitting. It did. It did, thanks to the JJ. Well, we're usually wrong, so. Yeah. Yeah. But. Fade away. Yeah. Take it to the bank. Doing better than Jared's friend, who is about $3,000 in debt, we've heard. Yes. He's struggling. That's a story for another podcast. Uh, Football Beat, thanks for joining us. That'll do it for this week's episode of Highway to Hail. Thanks to Jimmy Malone for editing this podcast, and thanks to Brendan and Daniel for joining me. For more Michigan football content, make sure to check out our website at michigandaily.com and hit the sports section tab. Until next time, adios.